Hello, Monetization Nation. On September 11th, 2001, I was in New York City during that horrible terrorist attack. I had a flight scheduled to leave JFK that morning. In this episode, I'm going to share my story and what I learned that has changed how I see the world and how I run my businesses right after this intro. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Okay, let's talk about the days leading up to 9-11. On Friday, September 7th, 2001, my wife and I, with our daughter, who was less than one year old at the time, walked up to One World Trade Center in New York City. This taller of the Twin Towers had been the tallest building in the world when it was first constructed, standing more than 1,350 feet and 110 stories high. I was in New York City on business and was blessed that my little family could join me. That Friday afternoon, we were doing some sightseeing, and as we reached the revolving door of the tallest tower of the World Trade Center, I wanted to go to the top. I'm always up for an adventure. However, my wife didn't feel comfortable with that. She felt there was no way to get down if something happened. She said I was welcome to go up, but she and our daughter would be staying outside the building. So we moved on and found another part of New York City to explore together. The streets were packed with cars, bumper to bumper, and the sidewalks were filled with people scurrying like ants in an ant farm. The next day, Saturday, September 8th, my wife and daughter flew back to our home in Arizona where we lived at the time. I was scheduled to go home with them, but extended my trip a few days to take care of some additional business. I rescheduled my flight for the morning of Tuesday, September 11th. I remember lying in my bed in my high-rise hotel room on Monday night, September 10th, hearing an airplane fly by and thinking to myself, what would prevent an airplane from crashing into one of these buildings? The next morning, Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, I woke up in Midtown Manhattan, about 4.4 miles from the World Trade Center. As I got ready, American Airlines Flight 11 departed from Logan Airport in Boston at 7.59 a.m. At 8.14 a.m., that flight was hijacked over central Massachusetts. As I was preparing to leave my hotel room, that flight crashed into the north side of One World Trade Center at 8.46 a.m. Only a few minutes later, I was down in the lobby asking the front desk to help me hail a taxi to go to the airport. It was only then that I learned that a plane had hit a building in New York City. I hurried back to my room to turn on the news. As soon as I realized America had been attacked by terrorists, I quickly called my wife in Arizona to tell her I was safe. While on the phone, my wife turned on the same news channel and we watched together in horror as a second airplane crashed into the other twin tower at 9.03 a.m. Within one hour and 42 minutes of the first plane crashing, we had watched both of the Twin Towers collapse, just a few miles from where I was sitting in my hotel room. At 9.25 a.m., the FAA closed all U.S. airspace to all civilian aircrafts, and flights had to make emergency landings around the country. For two unprecedented days, no civilian flights flew in America. The skies went quiet. Commercial flights did not resume until Thursday, September 13th, but commercial flights to and from New York were delayed even longer. 
For at least a full day after the attacks, even bridges and tunnels to and from Manhattan were closed to non-emergency traffic. Rental cars in the city became an incredibly scarce commodity. I stayed in my hotel room in Manhattan for hours after the attack, watching the worst terrorist attack in the history of humanity unfold with 2,997 fatalities, more than 25,000 injuries, and more than 10 billion in infrastructure and property damage. Later that afternoon, I went outside and walked the streets. I walked up the middle of one of the previously packed streets of Manhattan without a single car or person around me. It was like a scene from the Twilight Zone. Eventually, I found a taxi and convinced him to take me as close to ground zero as he could go. My most vivid memory from that ride is of a fire truck covered with white ash. In the early hours of September 12th, the train I needed resumed service. I was able to get out of New York City and go to New Jersey where my cousin and his wife lived. I'm so grateful for their hospitality during that crisis. My cousin had been on the tarmac of a New York City airport when the first plane hit. He and the other passengers were evacuated, and he rented a car and drove home. It was very lucky for me that he'd gotten one and was able to transfer it to me. The next day, I started my drive to Chicago, which was the departure city for the second leg of my original flight home. I remember thinking as I drove to Chicago that all I wanted to do was get home to my family. Nothing else mattered. I'm always amazed and embarrassed at how often crises are blessings that help us put our lives in perspective and focus on the things that truly matter. I was able to book a flight home in Chicago and finally made it home to my family on Saturday, September 15th. September 11th terrorist attacks were not the only disasters or crises to which I have had a direct connection. Here are a few examples. Uh, number one, as I wrote about in a previous blog post, I was the CEO of a publicly traded dot-com company when the dot-com bubble burst. Number two, in 2014, I was in Thailand when the military launched a coup d'etat, dissolved the government and the Senate, repealed parts of the Constitution, took control of the media, declared martial law, and implemented a curfew. Number three, my family and I were stuck in a horrible snowstorm that closed the highway during a road trip. All the hotels were full, and we were sheltered in a very generous church for the night. Number four, in July 2019, I stayed in the Sheraton Atlanta Hotel for a conference. During that same week, there was an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease in the hotel. At least one person died, 11 cases were confirmed, and there were 63 probable cases. Number five, we're all now in the middle of the global COVID-19 pandemic that is wreaking havoc on many lives and organizations. More than a million people have already lost their lives to the coronavirus globally. Tens of millions of people have lost their jobs and unknown thousands of, of businesses have closed their doors permanently. Those are just a few examples of the disasters, crises, and tectonic shifts I have seen. Uh, maybe you shouldn't hang around me. 9-11 and various other crisis situations I've been through have resulted in me seeing the world and business differently. I've tried to learn from these situations so that I can prevent or mitigate the negative effects of similar crises in the future. So I'd like to talk about normalcy bias in business. Normalcy bias is a common situation that is experienced during or related to disasters and crises. It's sometimes called analysis paralysis or the ostrich effect. 
As a result of normalcy bias, people underestimate the risk of a disaster or crisis because it has never happened to them or their organization before. The assumption is that if a specific disaster or crisis has not happened to me up to now, then it will not happen to me in the future. Or when we are in the middle of a disaster or crisis, we refuse to admit it is happening and underestimate the effects of that disaster or crisis. It is a very common way of thinking for most humans and business leaders. Because of some crisis situations that I've been through personally, I often travel with a get home bag so that I have the basic supplies I need to get home if I get stranded somewhere. To someone who's never been stranded, their normalcy bias might tell them that my get home bag is unreasonable. However, because I've been stranded on multiple occasions, my normalcy bias is different, and this get home bag is a wise and responsible risk mitigation strategy for me. As a business example, when I went back to school to get my MBA, a teacher taught us how business leaders should leverage debt to fuel growth. In that lesson, I don't remember the teacher exploring the risk of leverage that the debt would add to the company. However, a leveraged company becomes a huge risk during an economic crisis, such as the 2008 crash or our current global pandemic. When I lost a leveraged company during an economic crisis, I learned the hard lesson that there is a huge risk to taking on debt. To someone who has only seen a growth economy and never seen a company lost to debt leverage, their normalcy bias might tell them that my concern about debt leverage is unreasonable. However, because I have lost a leveraged company, my normalcy bias is different and carefully weighing the risk of debt leverage is a wise and responsible risk mitigation strategy for me. When businesses face tectonic shifts in the business landscape, it is very normal for us to ignore or underestimate the severity of that tectonic shift and its effect on our business. We often hear of businesses doubling down on a business strategy. Doubling down can be a great thing if we're doubling down on a tectonic shift opportunity that is proving successful right now. However, if we are doubling down on an old and ineffective strategy that used to work but is being disrupted by a tectonic shift, that can be an almost certain recipe for disaster and a doubling of the crisis. Sticking with the old, ineffective strategy and ignoring a tectonic shift is a great example of normalcy bias. Business history is littered by thousands of businesses that ignored tectonic shifts and lost market share or completely went out of business. So now let's talk about how normalcy bias can cause paralysis. Did you know that 70% of people have normalcy bias during a disaster? Normalcy bias commonly paralyzes people in the middle of the disaster or crisis. Here are a few examples. Number one, when the Vesuvius volcano erupted, the residents of Pompeii watched for hours without evacuating. Number two, as Hurricane Katrina approached and the government pleaded with people to evacuate, thousands of people refused to leave their homes. Number three, 70% of the 9-11 survivors stopped to talk with others after the plane hit, but before they evacuated the building. Number four, as the Titanic was sinking, people refused to evacuate because they underestimated the odds of the worst case scenario. So what can we do to prevent normalcy biases? Our businesses do not have to be victims of our normalcy biases. During the September 11th terrorist attacks, not all of the hijacked planes caused the damage intended by the terrorists. On Flight 93, 
46 minutes after the takeoff, four Al-Qaeda terrorists stormed the cockpit. They intended to crash the plane into the U.S. Capitol building. Some of the passengers and flight attendants learned from phone calls that other airplanes had been hijacked that morning and flown into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. As the passengers then sought to retake control of the plane from the hijackers, the hijackers crashed the plane into a field in Pennsylvania rather than give up control of the plane. They were only 20 minutes flight time away from Washington. In that crash, seven crew members and 33 passengers tragically lost their lives. During the hijacking, the passengers and crew members realized quickly that they were in the middle of a crisis situation. They acted rapidly and decisively to mitigate the damage, making the best of a very difficult situation and saving many lives. In my business career, I've been blessed to hit some home runs. However, the strategies used for each of these home runs were different. I did not use the same strategy twice to hit different home runs. The common denominator is that we found a tectonic shift that was changing the business landscape for that business. And we quickly leveraged that tectonic shift to accelerate growth and leapfrog over other established competitors. I'm writing a book in which I talk about tectonic shifts that are happening right now and how to leverage those tectonic shifts to leapfrog competitors. It is critical that entrepreneurs and business leaders leverage these tectonic shifts today to drive growth and protect their businesses. However, tectonic shifts this year will likely become common business practices in future years. Then new tectonic shifts will appear and we'll have to adjust to those as well. Furthermore, specific industries, geographic locations, and individual businesses will face their own unique tectonic shifts. The main point of this book is to teach us how to identify, leverage, and protect ourselves from tectonic shifts today and in the future. Great companies will even be able to create their own tectonic shifts. Tectonic shifts are inevitable. They have happened, they are happening, and they will continue to happen. This means as businesses, we need to be constantly adapting our strategies to survive. Just because something worked well for us in the past does not mean it will continue to work for us in the future. Finding the tectonic shifts affecting our businesses and industries today and leveraging them is one of the most effective ways to innovate. Gary Vaynerchuk says, if you don't innovate, you die. Fortune 500 companies are the largest corporations in the United States based on their revenue. When you compare the Fortune 500 companies of 1955 to the Fortune 500 companies of 2019, only 10.4% of the companies have stayed on the list. Staying stagnant is not an option. These tectonic shifts will cause either growth or destruction. Innovation with tectonic shifts is one of the keys to ensuring our businesses continue to experience growth. Here are some of the top monetization secrets that stood out to me from today's episode. Number one, when crises strike, as they will, instead of wallowing in our plight, we should focus on what matters most, such as our families and the monetization of our businesses, because revenue helps solve many of the business crises. Number two, we shouldn't wait for crises and disasters to strike and remind us to focus on things that really matter in our lives and businesses. We should be doing that every day. Number three, during a business disaster or crisis, we need to quickly identify what is happening and immediately take action to create the best outcomes possible instead of sticking our heads in the sand and just hoping things get better. 
Number four, we need to learn vicariously from the normalcy biases of others who have already been there and done that, so we don't have to learn the same tragic lessons for ourselves the hard way. Number five, we must prepare so we are ready to respond to tectonic shifts. What is in our metaphorical get-home bags that we can use to keep our businesses safe when we go through a crisis? Do we have cash reserves, a stable recurring revenue stream, education about the newest trends in our industries, low expenses and leverage, a huge list of loyal customers who trust us, etc. Uh, number six, tectonic shifts are all around us and they will continue to happen. These tectonic shifts will cause destruction or growth. In many cases, it is our choice based on how we prepare and respond. The difference between companies that fail and companies that thrive is often how we prepare for and respond to tectonic shifts. If we desire monetization we have never before achieved, we must leverage strategies that have never before been implemented. I challenge each of us to pick one thing that has resonated with us from today's episode and schedule a time this week to implement it to help achieve our monetization goals. Have you observed a company with normalcy bias that did not prepare for or respond to a crisis effectively? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.